All right, well, it's great to be back to the pulpit after two seconds. <laughs> um, but it's great to be here on a Sunday morning, and, and uh, I'm just happy to be in church, man. I, I, you know, I think about how many times we take church for granted. Um, man, we're not in here to get out. We're in here to learn about God and to worship the Lord. That's what we're here for. We're not here to, to, to get back to lunch, and, and this is not a social club. <laughs> this is a place where we worship the Lord. And, man, I'm thinking about Jesus this morning. Man, Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. And, man, I saw God work this uh, past week and uh, when I was at camp, and I'm sure the Lord worked. And, and uh, I, I haven't heard a, a full report from, from Brother Rice, but I heard that some kids got saved. And, man, when, when kids get saved, that's a, that's a big deal. Man, we ought to worship the Lord and praise the Lord for that. And, uh, and... You know, I'm thinking about church, and I'm thinking about, you know, why do we do church? Why, why do we have church? And, and, uh, and, well, it's because of the gospel. It's because we, the only reason we can have church is because of the gospel. And so I have a simple message today, and really the three points are so simple that anybody can understand it, anybody can get this. Um, but I have one question, and it's the, the title of my message. It's, Will You Accept the Call? Will you accept the call? And it may not make sense right now, but this message is called, Will You Accept the Call? And our story begins, this is the story of salvation. Our story begins in Genesis chapter 3. Turn to Genesis chapter 3, the first, first book in your Bible. Genesis chapter 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beasts of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So here we are, and many know the story of Adam and Eve, and this is the creation uh, of man and woman, and, and God gave them a garden to, to uh, watch over and to protect and they said, don't eat of this one tree. They could not eat of this one tree. And, and Satan, the, the serpent here, he, he, he comes to the, um, the woman and he says, you know, can you really not eat of every tree of the garden? And verse 2 says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And look at verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also under, unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And I want to say right off the bat that sin will always look pleasurable. All right, so sin will always look good to the eyes, but the end of it is destruction. And you know the story. You know what happens. This is the fall of man. This is where sin entered into the world. But Satan is, is a deceiver, and he's deceiving Eve. Eve was deceived. And he says, you shall not surely die. You can be like God. So you'll, you'll be wise, and, and, and God, God won't kill you. And what he's doing, he's twisting the word of God. He's twisting God's word, and he's getting them to believe that it's not that bad, and that sin looks good. 
And I'm telling you what today, that sin will always look good. It's going to look good. It's going to look desirable. But the end of it is death. It is the fall of you. And so sin looked good to Eve here. Man, sin, disobeying God, it, it just looked desirable, it looked pleasurable. And so she took a bite of that fruit, and she gave it to her husband. And, and um, we continue on in the story, and, um, you know, you, that sin, it, it looks desirable. I don't know if you've ever been to Starbucks. My favorite drink there is a caramel ribbon crunch. I get it every single time. There's not a single time I go to Starbucks and I don't get the caramel ribbon crunch. It's probably the most expensive item on the whole menu, which is like 20 bucks for one drink. But it looks desirable to me. I want it, but I know the end thereof is not always the best result. I usually get a stomach ache or something from all the sugar. But it looks good. It looks good, and I want it. But I know deep down inside that it's going to hurt me. Sin will destroy you. Sin will keep you longer than you want to stay. Sin will, will capture you. It will grab a hold of you and will destroy you. Sin doesn't love you. You might love sin, but sin does not love you. And so you see that um, Adam and Eve, they're, they're deceived here. And, and then it says in verse 7 that the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And, and verse 8, then they heard the voice of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And I remember um, back in my childhood, I would do something wrong in the house, and I was a little kid, and you know, I would do the one thing that my mom not, told me not to do, and what I would do is, so I wouldn't get a spanking, I would just sprint to my room and close the door and just hide as best I could, but it never, it never worked. I was always found out. She always found me where I was. But you can kind of see what Adam and Eve here are doing. They're guilty and, and they're ashamed. And they start trying to hide from God. They're trying to hide from what God might do to them. Because they were given the instructions that they would die. And so now they're ashamed and they're guilty of, of committing the sin. And, and you see them and they're trying to hide like, like myself, like running away from, from a spanking. And... I can imagine that um, the guilt that they were carrying. And God says in verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Can you imagine the, the shame and the guilt that Adam and Eve are feeling in this very moment? Speaking to God, speaking to God in the midst of that garden, hiding themselves, guilty, ashamed, sin. And he said, verse 11, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave of me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? What is this that you have done? What did you do? Can you imagine how terrifying those words would be coming from the Lord? I remember a time in my life I was uh, working with my dad on the car, and and those are always that's always a fun day, <laughs> you know. Hold the flashlight here, and you don't hold it right, and yeah, you you know it. So I'm working with my dad and on the car, and and uh, we're fixing the brakes, and so we need to jack up the car, and 
I almost completely jacked up the car, um, literally and physically. Uh, I went in and I put the jack underneath the car and he said, okay, I'm going to go grab the brakes out of the garage. You just, you know, you get it lifted up. And so me not ever really doing this before, I was not aware that you only need the car off the ground about an inch or so to get the wheel off. So while he was gone, I was like, man, I'm going to do this as best as I can. And I was pumping that, that jack over and over and over again. And all, I, I wasn't paying attention to the car. Oh, but all I heard is, what have you done? What are you doing? And I look up. The car is literally on two wheels. Like, like it, it needed just one push, and that car would have been flipped on its side. Um, that's how high I got the jack up. And it was, not a, it was not a good situation. But I remember the voice of my dad saying, what have you done? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I think about God in this scenario and with Adam and Eve, he says, what hast thou done? Can you imagine right now the guilt and shame that Adam and Eve are feeling? I know what it felt like when I did that and my dad called me out. Imagine God, God of cre- the creator of the universe, God, the one who's created them just moments ago. And he says, what have you done? And they tell, they tell the Lord what, what they did. And um, verse 13, again, and the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. She's saying, I gave in. I gave in to sin. And she was deceived and, and Adam, Adam willingly took of it. And they gave in. They, they just gave in to sin. And so the first part of this message is that there was a fall. There was a fall. And you think about America today, and we talk about the problems of America. We talk about problems of the world. Let me tell you what. We don't have a political problem. We have a sin problem. Okay, we don't base our problems off of, of you know, the political this and, and the climate and, and, and gas prices. and We don't, we don't base our... That's not, that's not today's problem. Our problem is sin. We have a sin problem in this nation, in this world, in this country, in this, in this state. If you have problems at the home, it's not because of, of some random thing that you can think of. It's, it's a sin problem. We have sin. Sin is our issue. And Romans chapter 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world... And death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So what is this saying? It's saying you and I, we were born with a sinful nature. You and I, we're sinners. Whether you like to think so or not, I know something about you and you know something about me and that's where we are both sinners. No one taught me how to sin. No one taught you how to sin. Nobody taught you how to do wrong. Now, there might be some people who, who encourage you to do wrong, but there's no one that taught you how you can sin. You know, they do tests and exams on kids that um, are younger, and, and they'll, they'll put them in a room with a big cake, and they'll sit them at a table, and they say, do not touch the cake. I'm leaving. And you leave that kid in there for maybe three minutes, and the kid touches the cake. You come back and they say, no, I didn't touch the cake. 
And some of the kids have cake all over their face. And they're like, no, I didn't touch the cake. I, you know. But no one taught them, no one taught them how to do wrong. No one taught them that. It was in them. The Bible says the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. Who can know? Your heart, my heart, is desperately wicked. I was born with a sin nature. You were born with a sin nature. And it was all because Adam and Eve in the garden made a bad choice. There was a fall, number one. There was a fall. And the Bible continues on, and to prove that we are sinners, he says in Romans 3.12, it says, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Does all include you? Does all mean all? Then all means you. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God is a holy and perfect, sinless God. And he cannot allow sin into his perfect heaven. He cannot allow the presence of sin to be in front of him. And, you know, you think about, okay, well, I have cereal in the mornings. And if you ever put bananas in my cereal, I will spit out that cereal. I hate, I just don't like bananas and stuff. It ruins the taste because the whole thing tastes like banana. And so, there's no point in putting bananas in cereal. It just tastes like bananas. Just eat a banana or eat cereal. Don't mix them because it doesn't, it doesn't work. That's my personal opinion. You don't have to believe that. It's fine. It's like pineapples on pizza. You don't do that. That's a sin. Don't do that. Oh, I think I just offended a lot of people. It doesn't belong. It can't stay on there. It doesn't belong. And I will spit out that cereal. I will, I will not accept that. Because it's been tainted by bananas. You know, though, God cannot accept us into a perfect heaven when there's sin in our lives. So God will spit us out. Spew us out. I cannot accept you. There's sin in your life. There's sin on you. A perfect holy God. And you see that there's a fall. Number one, that there's a fall and. Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law shall no be flesh be justified in his sight, God's sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. What this is saying is, no good work is going to get you to heaven. Right. See, the law, the law, God, God put the law in to show us that we can't keep it. Man, we can't, we can't keep the law. We're sinners. We break the law. We've broken God's law. If we went through the Ten Commandments right now and, and asked them on your life, how would you hold up to the Ten Commandments? And you know what? Jesus comes and, and one of the commandments says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And that's a simple commandment, but Jesus says, if you have lusted upon a woman in your heart, then you've already committed adultery. He raises the standard every time. And he says, it, the, the Bible says, the commandment says, thou shalt, could not, thou shalt not commit murder. Well, okay, I'm a good person. I, <laughs> I don't think I've ever killed anybody. But Jesus says, if you have hatred in your heart towards a brother, you've already committed it. So based off God's word, that makes you an adulterer and a murderer. 
Those things can't go to heaven. God will reject that. A holy, perfect God. So if God is perfect and holy and righteous and there's no sin in him, there's, he's completely sinless, what does that mean for us? We, a sinner, can God allow us, a sinner, into his heaven? Ephesians 2.9 says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we've addressed that we're all sinners, so can, can, a God per, can a perfect God allow sin into heaven, even a little bit, even if it's just, I, I've been really good, I've, been, you know, I've done a lot of good things in my life, can he just allow a little bit? The answer is no. He cannot allow even the slightest bit of heaven, of, of sin in, into heaven. And so number one that we looked at, there was a fall. So number two, we, we see that there is a wall. Point number one, there is a fall. Point number two, there is a wall. What am I talking about? I'm talking about there is a disconnection between you and the Lord. Our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us. And it says that in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Man, you owe something. You owe payment for your sin. You owe it. And, and you can't pay it except for your life. And it says that the wages of sin, it says that the wages of sin is death. So what do we do? What do we do? Is there really no hope? Is there really this unbreakable wall between me and God? See, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was a, a disconnection between their relationship. There was a, the wall there of sin, a wall of, of hurt. And so we see that. And, but point number three, and that's a short point, but point number three, then there was a man who died for all. Number one, there was a fall. Number two, there's a wall, disconnection between you and God. Your sin separates you. But number three, there was a man who died for all. In that very same verse, everyone turn there, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Jesus Christ is the wall breaker. Jesus Christ will connect you back to the Lord. And this wasn't just any man, this was the God man. This is this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself, God in the flesh. Jesus Christ came and God sent his only begotten son to this world to die for you, to die for you because he loved you that much. He loved you so much that he sent a man to die for all. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6 in verse 23, many of you know this verse, but don't ever get over it. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know what that means? That means I owe something. You owe something. We all owe something. We're all sinners. We address that. Man, there was a fall. So that makes you automatically, you and me, we're sinners. We we deserve hell. We deserve death. Death is eternal separation from God. We deserve that. And then there was that wall. 
There's, you ever feel like you just can't, can't, can't get in touch with God? You just feel like there's something just in between you and the Lord and you don't know what it is? I can tell you what it is. It's the wall of sin between you and the Lord. That sin separates us from God. But then Jesus comes into the picture. And thank the Lord for Jesus. Verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, I started, um, before I go further in this message right here, I was at camp, the wilderness, um, the week before Pastor Rice was there, and and, uh, I got the opportunity to lead a kid to the Lord. And I've never been so touched to see a young man finally realize the truth of the Word of God. He had known about it. He had heard about it. And you know, he said to me, he said, he was in the back of chapel there, and, and he came forward during the invitation. He just, he needed to talk to someone. So I went up to him, and I started talking to him. I said, do you know why you raised your hand? He's like, yeah, I, I think I want to get saved, but I just, I'm confused. I was like, okay, let's talk about it. And I started going through the scripture, and I showed him that Jesus Christ died for him. And then he said to me, you know, Brother Preston, I, I don't know what it really means. Like, I just feel like it's really broad when it says that Christ died, you know, for everybody. Like, does that, you know, does it really include me? You know, it just, it's just so general. Like, it's so broad. Like, what, what does that even mean? And I started taking that young man through different scriptures. And there's power in the word of God. Let me tell you something. There is power in the Word of God. If you don't know, if you're trying to witness to somebody and you don't know what to say, you don't have to say much. Just let the Bible say it. And I started showing different verses that, that said that Jesus, for whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and that Jesus came into the world, that through the world all through him might be saved, and that Jesus came and died for all the world. And I started asking questions like, does all include you? I asked him, what does all mean? He said, all. I said, okay, does all include you? He said, yes. I asked him again, I said, whosoever, what does that mean? What does whosoever mean? He says, everyone. I said, okay, does everyone include you? He said, yes. And I watched the word of God start to transform his heart in that very moment. And his facial expressions start to change. Because he finally realized something, that Jesus Christ really died for all. And all includes you. And you might feel like that young man this morning. You might feel like, well, it's just so general. Can God really save me? Can God really, did God really mean me when he was talking about all? Did God really mean me when he was talking about whosoever? I'll tell you the points again. There was a fall there is a wall, and then there is a man who died for all. For all. And Jesus Christ came to break that wall of sin between you and the Lord. He died for it. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to go to anybody. You can go to straight to the Lord. 
straight to the Lord through Jesus Christ. He's our mediator. He's our mediator. You know, this is funny. God just gave me this illustration, and Abe, you're going to have to forgive me. Um, but last year at camp, um, there was interest growing between Abe and Mariah, and, and Abe would come to me multiple times and say, dude, like, what, you know, should I talk to Mariah and, and this? And then Mariah would come to me and say, what about Abe? You know, what should I talk about Abe about? And, and I was their mediator, okay? So they would come to me, and I was like this message deliverer. Abe would come and say, you know, oh, dude, I, I really like her and this and this. And, and then I would tell Mariah that, and then Mariah would be like, oh, you know. So I was their connector. So pr- the reason they're together is most likely because of me. Um, <laughs> I was their mediator. I connected them, right? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ knows that you're a sinner. And he wants you to spend eternity with him in heaven, with God the Father. And this verse says, there is one God and one mediator. He's the way. One mediator, and he connects us back to God. He breaks that wall of sin and he can completely cleanse you of your sin in your life and and reestablish that connection with God, that relationship with God. That's why he died. That's why he came because he loves you so much and he just wants you to have a relationship with God. That's God's desire is that you would have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not of your good works. It's not about how much you can do. It's all about what Jesus Christ did for you. It's all about the grace of God. The only reason you are going to heaven tonight, if you are saved, is because of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, laying down his life on the cross of Calvary and raising again on the third day and won the victory. He won. Jesus never fails, and he won't fail to save you or anyone else in this world. Jesus never, ever fails. He didn't fail when he saved me, and he didn't fail when he saved you. And there's a man who died for all. There's a man who died for all. He didn't just attempt it, he did it. Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. John 14, 6 says, I, Jesus saith unto them, this is Jesus Christ himself speaking, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You cannot go to God without Jesus Christ. No man. You cannot go to God by going to a priest and and confessing your sins to him. You don't do that. You go straight to Jesus. That is the liberty in Christ. Man, you get to go straight to God, and it's all because of a man, Jesus Christ, and his love for you. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's a promise. For with the heart the man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is is made unto salvation. So I'll put it simply like this. I asked at the beginning of this message a question. I gave you the title. I said, will you accept the call? Will you accept the call? See, the Bible says, for the gift of God, the gift of God, it's a gift. Salvation, eternal life with Jesus Christ is a gift. 
you didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And Jesus offers this gift to you. Now, if I give you a gift, you have two options. You can either accept that gift or reject that gift. A preacher said while I was at camp, he said, no man, um, excuse me, every man who goes to hell chose to go there. Every soul that goes to hell chose to go there. Because why? We've all been offered the same gift, but some accepted, some rejected. So I have a question for you. If Jesus is knocking on your heart this morning, if you feel pricked by the Holy Spirit, and you've never had a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you accepted that free gift of salvation of the grace of God in your life, will you do that today? Will you accept the call? Jesus is, is touching your heart. God is saying, I want, to, I want to have a relationship with you. I want you to spend eternity with me in heaven. But there's still that wall between you and God of sin. And Jesus is saying, I'll break that wall. That's why I died. I loved you so much, and I'll, I'll break that wall. I'll break that wall between you and the Lord. And Romans 10, 13 says, for whosoever, and I'll ask you the same question, what does whosoever mean? Everyone. Does everyone include you? The answer is yes. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So maybe you're here today, you're still on point two. There's still a wall between you and God. You've never had a day in your life where Jesus Christ came and broke that wall down. That wall of sin. Man, you never had your sins paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to take you to heaven when you die. Maybe you're trusting in your works. Maybe you're trusting in, you're just going to climb over that wall. Man, that's exactly what works represent. There's that wall. This is bigger than the wall of China. This is bigger than, than any wall you can imagine. This is your sin. This wall right here, right between you and God. And most people, you know what they try to do? They try to work their way over it. They try to work their way and climb that wall. And maybe, maybe if I, at the end of my life, if I just barely get over that wall, I'll be able to go to heaven. Well, I got news for you. You won't make it up that wall. You never will. And that's not to discourage you, but that's the point to Jesus Christ. And to tell you that you can remove the wall completely and just have Jesus Christ come from the other side and break that wall down pull you right through. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He'll pull you through. But you got to accept it. If you were in Sam's Club and were at a grocery store and, and you had a, a large load of groceries on that conveyor belt thing that slides and, and, and that bill's racking up. That bill's just, it's getting up there. It's it's a high, high grocery bill. And I come from behind you and I say, I want to pay for your groceries. You have a choice. You either accept that and allow me to pay for it, or you reject it and you pay it yourself. And I'm astonished at how many people will reject Christ's payment for their life. 
Jesus Christ says, I want to pay your sin bill. You know how he pays that? He pays it with his entire life. And Jesus Christ laid down everything, shed his blood, just so you could have a relationship with God. And he says, I, I want to pay your bill. I want to, I want to pay for you. I, I'll pay your debt. I love you. I, I want to pay for you. And so many people go, no, I, you can't save me yet. Whosoever doesn't include me. It's just so broad, it's so general. God, it's not talking about me when it's talking about that. It's, I'll, I'm fine. You, you know, I, I have enough money. I'll, I'll pay it. I'll, I'll use my works. I'll do, I'll, you know, it's fine. I, I'm a good person. And so many people go to hell thinking they're a good person. Thinking that their payment is enough. But Christ says, I want to pay it. Let me pay for you. So I have a question. Will you accept? Will you accept? And if you have accepted, maybe you've been building up that wall back in your life and there's still some things and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, but lately it feels like your relationship between you and God isn't just isn't the best. Maybe there's just some, some things between you and God. The same Jesus that saved you and pulled you through is the same Jesus that will break that wall down again and again and again and forgive you and forgive you and forgive you and get things right. And he's so gracious and merciful. You know how many times I, I'm so glad I'm once saved, always saved. Because <laughs> there's a lot of times that I've messed up in my life. And I'm so glad that Jesus doesn't go, oh, I'm not going to save you this time. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to protect you from that this time. I'm so glad he doesn't drop me. And he holds me in his hands forever. I'm forever safe in there. But some people aren't in his hands. Some people are not in his hands right now. There might be someone in this room right now who has never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't remember a day in your life where you called upon the name of the Lord, and you confessed with your mouth, and you believed, you believed in your heart that the Lord Jesus Christ hath raised him from the dead. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never done that. God will save you. God will save you today. You come forward in the invitation. You come forward. When we have an invitation here, you come forward, and you, someone here can help you and lead you to the Lord. But it's your decision. It's your exception or rejection. So maybe you're here and you've never done that and you're not saved and get saved. Don't leave here today without knowing for 100% for sure for a Bible reason that you are going to heaven. Man, even if you're 99% sure, I don't want to go to hell on 1%. I want to know 100% for sure that when I die for a Bible reason, I will be going to heaven. Do you know that? Do you know for 100% for sure, for a Bible reason, that you will go to heaven when you die? Maybe you're doubting. But maybe you do know you are saved. And let me ask you this. If God thought you were worth dying for, don't you think it's worth living for him? Maybe you're, you're building up that sin wall again in your life. Man, just call upon the Lord.
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he will protect you and he will guide you. And man, Jesus never fails. And I've never regretted living for the God, for, for the Lord. I've never regretted it. Maybe you think that. Maybe you think a life living for Jesus is a hard one. And yeah, it can be hard sometimes. But man, it's blessed. How about you? I want to be blessed. I want to live a good life. I want to live a happy life. And the happiest life is a life living for God. With no sin wall. Pure relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Pure relationship between you and God the Father. So how's your relationship this morning? But let me ask this, especially for the lost here today. Have you accepted the call? Have you accepted the gift God, I encourage you, do not leave these buildings, this building today, without knowing 100% for sure, for a Bible reason, that you will go to heaven. Romans 5.8, I'll close with this. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to live for him? Are you going to accept the call and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior today? You can do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for saving us, God. Thank you for the power of your word. God, thank you for being so loving and kind and, God, so merciful. And, God, I think about so many times in my life that... Um, Lord, you could have just thrown me away. And um, God, I, I pray for a lost soul here today. If they're lost, Lord, I pray you'd call them to you and, and um, prick their hearts, Lord. I pray they come forward in the invitation and, Lord, trust in you as their, as their Savior, God. I don't want people going to hell. And Lord, I want to share your your gospel, of your grace. Lord, I pray you'd help us grow in your grace. And Lord, with all of us, with, with everything that's in us, God, I pray we just give our lives over to you. Lord, we just submit everything to you. Lord, I love you. And I pray this all in your precious, beautiful, and powerful name, Jesus' name, amen. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The piano plays. If God spoke in your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, you know what? I'm not sure of my salvation. I do want to get that nailed down. We'd be more than happy to take a Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. If, if it was me, I would not let anything stand between me and the gates of heaven. Because the alternative is not good. Dealt with a young man this week. Grew up in a Christian home. Been in church his whole life. Raised his hand and said, I don't know that I'm saved. I was so glad because you know what? 
Bible says you can know and you can be saved. Took the word of God, showed that young man those verses that we just looked at this morning. And he called on God and he had his own personal relationship with God at that moment. And you can be saved today. Don't put it off. Don't delay. Another young man, Brother Jason, said this at camp. He said, said, maybe you're in church and you're faking it. And you know it in your heart. That night, another young man trusted the Lord as his Savior. Hey, it's a personal relationship. It's not about being in church. It's not about wearing a dress and wearing a shirt and a tie and looking good and acting the part. It's about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and you need to have one. It makes all the difference in the world. Those that are saved, you know what I'm talking about. Those who are not saved, you're saying, man, I, I'm not for sure if I have that relationship. You can. You can today. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Nobody's looking around. If you're here this morning and we don't do this a lot, and but I, I, I think it's appropriate. I don't think there's anything wrong with this. If you're saved this morning, you say, I know for sure that I've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my own personal Savior. Just put your hand up just for a moment. I just want to look across the crowd. You know you're saved. Praise the Lord. Good. You may slip your hand down. Maybe you're here this morning, and you'd say, you know what? I don't know that I'm saved. Just raise your hand for a moment. Put it back down. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I want to help you. Would there be one that would say, I'm not for sure that I'm saved? If I was unsure, I'll tell you what, I, I would make sure I knew today. The most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Thank God for those that know. We love you. We want to help each and every person. We might close our invitation, but I want you to know that we're always open to taking the Word of God and showing you how you can know for sure you're saved come talk with me if you're having doubts talk to my wife talk to one of our deacons talk to one of our teachers one of our one of our people that, that want to help you brother, brother Preston his wife any of us would be more than happy to take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure that you're saved most important thing that you'll ever deal with hey listen Christian if you're saved praise the Lord for that did you know there are many lost people all around us that don't know where they're going to spend eternity we need to reach them Boy, we need to get him the gospel.